To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. This episode is available on Rumble. Rumble.com. Look for Positive Sarcasm logo. It is also streaming on Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. And, of course, it is audio version. is anywhere podcasts are available. Literally, anywhere where podcasts are available for audio download. Substack, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio. If it's still if there's still a Google Play app, then you can use that one. It's available on the Apple Podcast platform, but you can still download the audio version directly and stream it directly from the website positivesarcasm.com. But if you want to watch this stupid face of mine, you can go ahead and check me out on Rumble. Like, subscribe, share, donate. Positivesarcasm.com/slash/donate. Any amount is appreciated. The ways to support this podcast, also merchware available at the website, positivesarcasm.com. You can also check in on the Weeble app, uh, get free stocks when you use the affiliate link in the description down below. You'll get free stocks and I'll get free stocks. And there are many great, that's many great ways to support this little universe of mine that I have tattooed on my back that, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, questions, concerns, comments, you can email me through my website, positivesarcasm.com, or you can email me directly if you want, positivesarcasm at outlook.com, social media, uh, Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, or of course, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Uh, beautiful day, nice and warm, got a little sweaty, well, I had two cups of coffee, what the fuck you expect? Uh, beautiful day, all the kids are moving out of town, but they had to leave their marker before they went. So I um I walk Chase and look at the handsome boy. I walk Chase every morning. Of course, and every evening. And I take him to the back of this little church in this little college town that I currently us uh, reside in. And um this is a little church where nobody bothers us. I know the pastor or f- father, father. Um you know, we know each other well enough where he's no issue. And he just runs around back there for a little bit, does what he has to do, and then we get out of there. It's nice. It's a nice little peace and quiet in the morning and in the evening just to kind of wind down a little bit with my best friend. Um, and we were walking Saturday morning. We walked down there. And wouldn't you know it, the most laziest form of art happened to appear before our very eyes. Um, there's more to, there is obviously, uh, uh, this story has officially come full circle, but this is how it started. Uh, behind the resource center, which is connected with the church, there were a couple supposedly, supposedly, allegedly, according to the writing, a couple fraternities and sororities, um, that wrote some rather, um, aggressive graffiti on the back of the resource center connected to the church. So I looked at that and I went to myself, I was like, well... Uh, look of what, first of all, that says on the right-hand side, it has to do with UNH, the, uh, local university. First of all, that's not UNH. It may be affiliated with UNH, but it's nowhere near the campus. So quite frankly, the church has nothing to do with this. So it's like, it's like if you're going to bomb a town 
or you're gonna bomb a, uh, a, a what do you call it, like a, a, an ammunitions factory, but you end up destroying the children's hospital. Kind of the same effect here, only uh, less people dying. If you, if, uh, honestly, on the back of a church, no. But you're gonna put it somewhere. Why don't you go, go fucking flag UNH, go tag UNH, go do that. The church had nothing to do with it. If you're angry at UNH because you had a little too much to drink, go tag the campus. I don't care. I don't. I don't personally. If you tag UNH, I would not care. But you tag the church. Church had nothing to do with this. And if you did have an issue with UNH, why don't you take it up with UNH? Why don't you write an op-ed? Why don't you do anything other than what your drunk ass did, which is tagging a church that had nothing to do with it other than it was right next to sorority and fraternity row? However, before I get off on a little tangent here, let me just state this. Police were found. Police found out. They made contact. I spoke with the pastor because he knows I go there every single morning. Well, apparently the guy, the person involved, supposedly involved, allegedly involved, maybe he was just a fall guy, confessed later that uh, later that weekend. Later that weekend. So. Just when I was about to go full tilt on college students being complete pieces of shit, completely useless, completely, well, nothing more than styrofoam brains, um, one of them stepped forward, even though there's no cameras back there, okay, um, stepped forward, said he had a little too much to drink, haven't we all, haven't we all, and stated that he would like to correct the issue and assist in removing all of the uh, graffiti and paying any sort of restitution. And I was like, good, because it's like, listen, I want to back up. Is, is it my church? No, obviously it's not my, what's that word, dominion? Denomination, that's the word. <laughs> the brain's working today. No, it's not, it's never working. Um, but they pay, he's going to pay restitution. He was going to meet with them. And wouldn't you know it, by Monday afternoon, this shed, fully repainted on the front, beautiful red, and brick, that's easy to clean up. That was all gone. No big deal. So is it important to show this? Yes, it is. Because if it was still there and nobody fessed up to it, that'd be kind of disgusting. And then I'd have every right to call out uh, the person that did it, who I have no idea. And, you know... Being like, yeah, this is what I saw, blah, 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 blah. What are you going to do about it? But it was done. It was a mistake. Well, it wasn't a mistake. It was done on purpose. But it was done on purpose drunkenly. And somebody was willing to not just fucking let it slide. They wanted to do the right thing. Because at the end of the day, doing the right thing is actually not such a bad thing. Even if you fuck up. Even if you fuck up and do something stupid, there's ways to correct it. I mean, it's not like a, a cop is going to come over there and kick the shit out of you. You made a little graffiti. You said something stupid. The, the, the priest was obviously upset about it. But if God forgives, why can't he? And why can't I? So forgiveness taken care of. If anything, they got a fresh coat of paint and a nice wash job on the back of the building and all is well. No harm done. No anger. It's just an easy thing. If you hit somebody's car... Fess up to it. If you step on somebody's foot, say you're sorry. If you drop a vase, glue it. 
do something. Do anything than what you're doing currently. This is the most, I'll be honest with you, this is the most constructive thing I've seen out of a college student in the last 10 years. <laughs> so, this is all gone. This does not exist anymore. The back of the building is beautiful. The lawn is mowed. Everything is good. So, that being said, we're going to close out this photo as if it never happened. But it did happen. But it's no longer there, so it's no longer an issue. See? All is well. If you do the right thing, chances are things will work out or you'll get sued. But it's a chance we all take, don't we? Anyways, moving on to also a lighter subject for those of you who may be afraid of heights. We will move on with this and then we'll talk about the implications of the video itself and then we'll move on to some q a <sighs> okay are you ready so in the middle of the of fucking nowhere let me see here let me close out of that what am i doing am i an idiot i mean i might be let's go back here a little bit there we go so in the middle of south dakota i don't know if you guys have driven by like really really giant like radio or cell phone or two-way radio towers in South Dakota near 100th Street. If you're just cruising along, you'll see, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, check this out. What does that say? I'm gonna zoom out a little bit. Okay, let me open that up. I just realized, I didn't even see this. Article monitor. In the map, they wrote Psalm 34, Jesus equals truth uncancelable John 14 6 hmm. Is that the only writing there yep okay I didn't know I didn't really realize that oh there you go so I'm wondering if that's still there over here there's a couple of towers I don't believe I've seen towers this big um, I know there are some that shoot uh, nuclear codes to submarines all over the world that are in Maine somewhere um, but if you're riding through here, you'll see a couple of, they're uh, part of KDLT TV. And then there's the KTTW tower. Now, if you go down to, um, excuse me, there happens if you drop the little man here, you will actually be able to see these towers. Right? Bam. So these towers, normally if you fly a tower, well, for example, if you're flying a drone, your drone's um, limitations is about 400 feet. And I don't mean uh, technically able to, I mean legally able to. There are, are, there are exceptions to the rule and we will absolutely talk about those. But these towers, here and here, are 1,500 feet. That freestanding structure with, of course, some, you know, some cables, cable, the cables, you can't see them, but they're there, are 1,500 feet tall. That's magical. So here's the thing. On all these towers, just in case there's a plane flying by, which sometimes does happen, because these are technically in actual, like, airspace. Maybe it could be, even though it's Class G airspace, um, it's still in legit airspace, because there's a, li there's a limit of, like, a plane like a small prop Cessna or something like that can fly at like 150 200 feet these things well if they don't have lights on them 
chances are you're not going to see them when you go by them. And it can cause some pretty significant damage to pretty much any plane that happens to be in its path. So they got to put lights on them. And as we all know, we've all changed light bulbs before. And there's one at the very, very, very top. And somebody's got to change it. So, that being said, uh, what's his name? Meet Kevin Schmidt of South Dakota, Salem, South Dakota. And this guy has the privilege of going up a 1500 foot tower just to change a light bulb. And according to documents uh, from the late 2000s, from the late 2000s, for climbing 1500 feet, he gets paid $20,000 every six months. So let's actually break that down into a calculation here since I've got some time here while you guys watch this guy climb 1500 feet. So let's say uh, 20000 $20, divided by 1500 So for every foot that he climbs, he gets paid $13. So it's not $13 an hour. He gets paid $13.30 a foot. That's it. So you go up one feet, 12 inches, 13 bucks. You go up another 12 inches, 13 bucks. You go up another 12 inches, another 13 bucks. So, I mean, that's... Some people, when they watch this, their hands start to sweat. But this dude, see what he's doing right there? He's actually going up there just to change a freaking light bulb. And he does this apparently in South Dakota. And people do this all over the country and all over the world. Every He does this every six months. It's obviously a dangerous job. He's taking a selfie. He's obviously doing an incredibly dangerous job. A lot of people are not capable of being able to go up there and do such a thing. But he's willing to go up there. And apparently a buddy of his who or another amateur flyer, this is according to this was an amateur flyer, sent his drone up fifteen hundred feet from the structure to go and view such a wonderful thing. Now this video, I believe, was taken back in twenty fifteen according to the documentation. So let's just take a look at that shot right there. Right there. So if you wanted to look this up on on YouTube, just look up 1500 foot tv tower it's about a two minute video uh, but that's i believe kevin schmidt hanging out up there and in the beautiful flat uh flat plains of south dakota where i bet you, you can get some decent real estate now for pretty cheap money and it might be the only place you can get some decent real estate for cheap money without having to deal with fucking scorpions and western diamondback rattlesnakes and he makes approximately 13 dollars 33 cents a foot Every time he takes his foot and puts it in front of the hour, puts it one in front of the other, he makes $13.30. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Um, that being said, which is something I've said many, many times in my life, the WKDL, so this tower, KDLT Towers, are two towers used by a South Dakota television station, KDLT. Both towers are high guy wire so guy not guide it's actually guy wire gui because you know man shit uh aerial mass for the transmissions of tv tv programs in rowana south dakota the original analog tower was built in 1976 and is 477 meters or 1565 feet 
while the newer digital tower was erected uh, in 1998 and is 609 meters, 1,999 feet. Holy shit. They are owned by the Gray Media Group. The digital tower is one of the tallest structures in the world. History. Although KDLT now exclusively uses the digital tower, the beacon lights at the top of both towers must be replaced when they malfunction as a warning to aircraft. Replacement of the beacon bulb to the top of the digital tower was featured in an episode of World's Toughest Fixes in 2010. In 2015, amateur drone video footage, the one you just saw, was featured in an episode of World's... was... sorry. Amateur drone footage of a man changing the light bulb, Kevin Schmidt, on the analog tower went viral, attracting more than 19 million views on YouTube and garnering attention from CNN and a newspaper in Britain. On learning of the drone footage, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, forbade any further flights without its approval. Drones uh, are restricted by law to a ceiling of 400 feet, far lower than the height of the tower. So here's some thing here's some things you need to know about this and uh, somebody who knows a little bit about a little bit about everything i could tell you this um if that it's that is a tower that you don't need to fly now upon learning about this the faa forbade any of flights without its approval can the faa do that technically because it's it's a commercial structure that operates within airspace class g airspace they can, I assume, make that determine. Uh, they can make that happen. Um, now, but that's without its approval. So if you have a commercial license to do this, then as long as you get permission, you can totally do it. You just be doing it for commercial purposes. Otherwise, there's no reason to actually fly near that. Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Where's my fucking phone? I want to check something here. Uh, this is actually, this is off. Uh, I'm going to do this last minute. Um, KDLT. Let me see. KDLT. Uh, tr- transmit tower. Uh, tr- KDLT uh, tower. South Dakota. Let me just see something here. Um, the KDLT tower is... Let's see. I wonder, this is in what? Rwanda, South Dakota? So there is something called an air map. An air map lets you know where you can fly and where you can't fly. And it is live. It's an actual live, uh, let me see here where I can fucking, so let me look up KDLT and I see if I can actually find KDLT uh, tower and it's in Rwanda. South Dakota. There we go. Now, according to, let me see here. That is a, so in Rwanda, South Dakota, there is a, there is a, a air, there is airspace. There's an actual airport in near Harrisburg, Brendan, Hartford. Now over here, what is that? There's a big red square I'm looking at on 486th Avenue, which advisory, that's a national park. Oh, that's a waterfowl production area. So it'll tell you in red exactly where you should be flying and where you shouldn't be flying. And uh, any type of conservation park generally is a no-no. If there is a... 
But there are AMA airfields where the Dakota Flyers go. But the towers, from what I can tell here in Rowana, I don't see anything that has... Let me go to this 100th Avenue. So if I scroll up to, let's see, 250th Street, 100, getting closer, 223rd, 217. So this was apparently, according to the Google Maps here, was on 100th Street. So let me back out here. In the middle of nowhere, mind you. On South Dakota in Iowa. Oh, it's right on the freaking border. Um, that's State Highway 30. On, that's 212 Street? 211th, I got, excuse me, I got a ways to go here. 200th Street, 197, 191, 175, any day now. 109, County Road 60, 141, 143. Holy shit. That's the planes. Good old-fashioned planes. I'm pretty sure I'm not even in the right fucking state anymore. This is South Dakota, right? Okay, let me... Let me research... Let me redo this. Uh, 100th Street in Rowena, South Dakota. This is riveting shit right here. Uh, Rowena, South Dakota. Okay, so where the fuck is South Dakota? Am I in it? South Dakota. So let's see here. I actually don't see, according to here, I don't see anything. When I zoom out and I see, so, so Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Where the hell's Iowa? It says South Dakota and Iowa. That's Min. That's Minnesota. So it's apparently right here. Oh, okay. I, I, I see. I think I know what we're getting at here. What is that? That's 476. So there are some areas that have some hard lines, but I don't see it. So I don't think... One ten. One forty. 150 yeah I don't think I don't see an issue here I don't see anything on the air map that says legit you can't fly here so I'm gonna assume it's okay unless the FAA catches you but I don't see anything so now if there was if there was legit red or uh, some type of other airspace advisories on that air map you'd have to follow those procedures um, and red is absolutely a no-go unless you get express written per, uh, permission, which you probably won't get. Chase is like hanging off the freaking, who's a good boy? Um, so I don't see anything, which means to me it's fucking send it. Uh, however, there are rules to these towers. And as far as the regulations go, so let's see here. On the, according to the KDLT towers, which are 1,500 and 1,900 feet in the FAA, uh, drones are restricted by law to a ceiling of 400 feet, far lower than the height of the tower. All right. There are exceptions to this rule, and let me go over those. So 
we'll go see the feet. One of them, the one they're talking about, you can fly the maximum allowable altitude is 400 feet above the ground because after that you're heading into different airspace. Each there's a each a certain each section of airspace is allocated for different things. And obviously when you're flying, even if you're flying at 250 feet, you still don't have the right of way. Anytime you put a bird in the air, whether it's for commercial purposes or recreational purposes, which are both both legal, you don't own the skies. Whatever's in the sky above you, helicopter, uh, emergency services, anything that's bigger than your drone, anything, you don't you don't have the right of way. So as far as maximum allowable to altitude is 400 feet above ground. Now, can you fly higher? Apps, actually, yes, you can. So there are exceptions to this, but generally, if you are within a structure, if you're within a certain foot of a structure, so I think it's 400 feet. So 400 feet is a, a decent amount uh, of, of distance, but for, if you're within a certain distance of a structure, it is perfectly legal to go above, not perfectly legal, but it is legal to go above 400 feet in order to be, as long as you're around the structure, because you're around the structure. So if you're around the structure, they're not going to hit the structure, but you know, that's the whole point. A plane or an object needs to avoid the structure. Therefore, they're going to avoid you. So if you're, for, if you're 400 feet above the, uh, if you're 450 feet above the ground, but there's a plane going by or a helicopter going by they're not going to hit the structure so they're not going to hit you if they're there to observe the structure then then the rule the right away rule applies which means your via, your your drone has to lower in order for them to observe the tower now if you were to travel outside the designated distance of that structure then you need to observe the 400 foot rule now if you are at a certain elevation let's say you're you're operating at 200 feet above sea level but you fly i don't know 2000 feet in that direction and you have line of sight of the drone and you're, you're flying 2000 feet in an opposite direction but the elevation is another 500 feet up as long as you're 400 feet above the ground even though to you it may seem like it's much higher you're you're legal you're within legal limits you just obey the 400 foot rule but if there's a structure there you can go higher as long as you are observing the structure the rules surrounding that structure whether it's private property or not the airspace restrictions regarding the structure itself and obviously check and i strongly advise you to use the air map the air map will tell you point blank whether you have any access at all to that structure so moving on, if you are within a certain footage of the structure, you can operate around it at an elevated uh, at an elevated altitude, above 400 feet. Otherwise, how the fuck else are you going to be able to monitor these structures um, and review them or inspect them? Because it's way more cost efficient to inspect a structure using a drone device than it is to send climbers up. Climbers will cost you several thousand dollars a day just to use them a day. Drone takes 20 minutes, up it goes. You pay the user, off you go. Now, if you are curious about other things as far as drone related shit, because it springs up from this thing about the, the whole KDLT towers, which are 1500 feet up and 2000 feet up. 
there's value to, the, to learning this and understanding because there's still a lot of people that fly, um, either be rec recreationally, most most importantly for recreationally. Even if you are not flying within, if you, even if you're not certified for FAA 107, you should still understand the FAA 107 requirements because a lot of it pertains to recreational flying. So uh, these rules do apply for aircraft that are under 55 pounds that are unmanned. This doesn't mean just because you can fly a drone doesn't mean you're certified to pop in, you know, jump in a Cessna and take off. Different rules, different certification. Obviously, always avoid manned aircraft. Never operate in a careless manner. Keep within sight unless you're using a spotter. Um, you cannot be a pilot or a visual observer for more than one drone operation at a time. No comment. Um, do not fly drones over people unless they are directly participating in the, in the operation. There you go. So large groups of people, do not fly over them. So basically crowds or a, st or a soccer stadium per se. Don't dr operate a drone within moving aircraft. Absolute no-no. Near... Uh, uh, near misses are it's fucking scary if you ever have and if for some reason god forbid you ever have a near miss do not under any circumstances post that shit on youtube do not post that shit on instagram do not post that shit in general just don't not even for educational purposes if for some reason you're flying responsibly and you happen to have a near miss and it's not reported do not you're not doing yourself any favors by posting that stuff get rid of the footage keep it private it never happened in my opinion don't have it on you get rid of it it's not worth having it it's not worth showing it to friends because you show it to a friend they post it online faa starts asking questions and they will ask questions because what happens is, is you post it or they post it they talk about it all it takes is one complaint Somebody files a concern or a complaint or a report with the FAA, the FAA has to investigate it. So keep that in mind. Um, do not operate your drone from moving aircraft. Do not operate your drone from a moving vehicle unless you are flying your drone over a sparsely populated area and it does not involve the transportation of property for compensation or hire. Okay. Um, you can fly now. See, so do not operate your drone from a moving vehicle unless you're flying a drone over a sparsely populated area and it does not involve the transportation of property for compensation or hire. Yeah, yeah, like people follow that fucking rule. You can fly during daylight, 30 minutes before uh, sunrise and 30 minutes after official sunset. Um, it's pretty dark out after that, but or in twilight. You can buy these for pretty cheap. They're really, really cheap. They're like the size of a quarter, these visibility lights, and they're like three miles. And you can put them on your drone and believe me, you can see them it's pretty it's pretty amazing they just they send out a pulse and they're super bright when you see them directly and then we already talked about the maximum allowable height for your structure uh, for structure purposes as well maximum speed is 100 miles per hour most uh pretty much all recon drones or cin cinematography drones fly between 20 miles per hour and 50 to 60 miles per hour um, and then, then there's FPV drones, which fly, they can fly between 40 and 70. They're pretty quick. Um, but they maneuver a lot better. Your drone can carry an external load if it is securely attached and does not adversely affect the flight characteristics or the control, uh, controllability of the aircraft. I agree. You may also transport property for compensation or hire within state boundaries, provided the drone, including its attached systems, payload cargo with less than 55 pounds. 
that is so that the compensation or higher is applies strictly to the FAA 107. So flying, flying unmanned aircraft with the intent of making money. Otherwise, you have to state you have to state that you are flying for fun. You're flying as a uh, an amateur pilot. Even then, there are other things that you have to do in order to be registered. If you're flying a drone that uh, is over 249 grams, you have to register it with the federal government. Things such as uh, DJI Mavic Minis or Mavic Mini 2s do not require that you uh, register them with the federal government. Um, however, they because they're 249 grams, they don't do very well in high winds. So it's strongly recommended you do not send a Mavic Mini up when the winds are above 10 miles per hour because it's 249 grams. So it's like a moth in a hurricane. Be very, very careful. Uh, pilot certifications, you can just go and get the license as long as you do your um, you do your, do your studying. Make sure you study for the FAA 107. There's a lot of ways you can get your certification. But those are those are a lot of the basics. And if you were to register your drone, it would be five bucks. You know, it's actually no big deal. Um, you can get drone insurance, or you can get certified with the AMA, um, Model Aircraft Association, and it's like 75 bucks a year. And it'll insure your drone. It'll also keep you in good. Uh, it'll also keep you in goods with uh, the AMA group, who is a dedicated group of model aircraft flyers. And they and it does it. It puts insurance on your drone, which is kind of important. So, and a lot of places will actually. Um, a lot of places who hire you, they may recommend that you have insurance before bringing the aircraft. So, those are just a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, in 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 pertaining to the KDLT Tower video, um, like I said, that was, you know, eight years ago when this thing happened and they put these restrictions on there. But here's the thing is there's always been airspace restrictions. Airspace restrictions have happened. They, they've been around for a very, very long time. It's just that drones haven't been around for a very long time. And then because of the incident, the FAA stepped in. But it's not like the guy can be penalized for it. This is back in 2015. 2015 is when the Phantom 3 came out. The first real user-friendly drone. One that I actually own. Um, but ha that actually, Pelican 2 hasn't flown for a couple of years, actually. So... Uh, that's pretty much what I want to talk about with the KDLT tower. I thought that was pretty cool. Like 1,500 feet up, 2,000 feet up, you're climbing to just to change a freaking light bulb and you make 20 grand if you're not afraid of heights. It's pretty cool. And then, of course, the things, if you were willing to make a little money with doing some aerial work, you can go and get certified. And that's a great way to make money. It's something worth investing in. Um, so that being said, it, we're at 33 minutes. We'll go ahead and we'll close up shop with some Q&A. So if you want to support this podcast, the simplest way to do it is positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount's appreciated. There's also the merchware section, and there's also the uh, Weeble app, and the affiliate link is in the description down below. Here we go. Let's close up shop here. Am I wrong? Okay, my husband loves to travel and always either pays for or gets an upgrade into the first class cabin. When we travel together with our children, he buys himself a ticket in first class and puts us in economy or economy plus. He even did this recently on an overnight flight to Paris. He justifies flying alone in first class because of the cost and the fact that our kids, 12 and 16, might feel alone if I were to travel in first with him and leave them in the rear cabin. I feel that this is unfair. 
I don't think our kids would mind if they were in economy plus and my husband and I sat in first to get sat together in first class. Is that unfair of me to want? My husband has suggested traveling alone uh, on a different flight ahead of us so that we don't feel badly about the disparity. But this does not really address or solve the problem of inherent selfishness in his thinking. Am I wrong? We are happy to travel and love going places together, but it is still very strange. Um, well, I think if to make it fair, I mean, obviously, if you're flying first class and you're single, it's like whatever, you do whatever the hell you want. Um, I can understand when people want to travel first class, then they, they kind of like are stuck with it mentally. They can't go backwards. Um, so I don't know if taking turns is going to be is, is going to work, because once you're in first class or business class, you're always going to want that. Um, you're not if you know, if you're flying JetBlue business class, I don't see you traveling southwest or frontier anytime soon. So I think if you were, if, first of all, if you can afford to fly your two kids in economy and yourself in first class, I think you can afford to fly your two, your first, your kids in economy and fly you and your spouse in first class. I just, I think to me, off the top of my head, even if you're paying for the tickets, I still think if you can afford to do that, it wouldn't be a bad idea to put your wife in first class with you. That's I think that's the easiest, I'll be more expensive resolution. You're already paying for her ticket. You might as well bump her up so she can travel in comfort and not feel like, uh, you know, somebody's Asian wife. Let's move on to the next one. Doesn't it seem like a good plan to give my ex-husband legal custody of the baby I decided to have on my own? At 38 and with no long-term partner in sight, I decided to pursue single motherhood. I am thrilled to be in my 16th week of pregnancy. I have a lot of support in friends and family, and I'm well prepared financially. My ex-husband, Mike, asked whether he could assume the role of father for my baby, sharing legal custody and co-parent with me. Once I got over my initial surprise, I've been considering saying yes. We were compatible in the most respects, but split up over Mike's repeated infidelities. Oh. Although that made him a terrible husband, he has many good qualities. Except for that one. Except for that one. And I think he'd be a good father. He's even willing to move closer to me, so custody exchanges wouldn't be a hassle. He swears that this isn't a t an attempt to win me back. Although I feel capable of rearing this baby on my own, it would be a good for them to have a father. No argument there. Uh, my two strongest supporters, my widowed father and my best friend, think this is a terrible idea. Though they haven't come up with a any strong arguments against it. More love and support for the baby can't be a bad thing. Doesn't this seem like a good plan for you? Um, we'll see. Hold on. Sharing legal custody and co-parenting with me. So, I would not give, I would not share legal custody. I would permit the raising of the child with a father figure absolutely i would be okay with that however um if the situation is this if you are so if you have sole custody of the child and it was his fault for obviously the way things went because repeated infidelities that's not a good sign it's not something that the child should be subject to in the manner of you know understanding that but to have a, a father figure around is important 
it is whether the father was perfect or the mother was perfect that's irrelevant at this point there should absolutely be a father figure around to help it it's better it is better than nothing it really really is however giving up custody in any fashion is not a good idea so i think that if you are willing to sign something that says you know he's allowed to see the child he has legal right in some sense to well, let's just put it this way if the guy shows up he's not going to be put in handcuffs he can pick the kid up from school you know things like that but the custody thing no that's no you have to be not selfish but protective of the child so it's a good idea have the guy around but don't give him any legal leeway if you guys got divorced and he obviously gave it up okay well then that's that but there's got to be a pre-parental agreement and if he does win you back per se hey that's your thing pre-nuptial agreements also pre yeah pre-post-nuptial whatever's you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're going to court you don't you definitely want to talk to a lawyer you want to write something out and you want to leave it in a position where if things go south you go back to where how it was as shitty as it is and you have to hold firm on that but if he d truly wants to be a parent he should have the opportunity i'll be if you allow it let's move on to the next one and get this stupid notification out of here all right uh i know it sounds materialistic but when my son got engaged to his new wife one thing i was thrilled about was that i would finally receive good gifts <laughs> Gifts are my love language. Oh, you're material. Yeah, you are materialistic. At least you're honest about it. My son is an atro. My son is atrocious at gift giving. A fact my now daughter-in-law and I have commiserated over. While my daughter-in-law gives lovely, thoughtful gifts, my dream came true for the first couple of years of their marriage. But they recently had their first baby and apparently redistributed chores to accommodate for the extra workload. Now my son buys gifts for his for his side of the family, and my daughter-in-law buys gifts for hers. So her mother receives delightful gifts while I get grocery store checkout lane gift cards. I like to ask that she take over gift giving again. How do I do that in a most respectful way? Um, talk to the son. Just be like, listen, son, you're great. You just suck at giving gifts. Think of something better. We can help you. Um, if you have a beef with somebody in the family, talk to somebody in the family. Especially if it's like somebody, you know, it's right there. So I would just talk directly with them. Why wouldn't, I mean, why wouldn't you? Just be upfront and be honest. If somebody sucks at giving gifts, they, sucking at giving gifts is like sucking at giving head. You need fucking practice. You need to be told what to do. You need to be instructed. It's the only way you're going to improve. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, my oldest, let's see. What's the, yeah, this one's got, this one's going to require some brain power, and I'm probably going to have to close up shop after this one. My oldest son, Josh, is very gregarious. Gregarious. Ladies and gentlemen, gregarious. Has a new friend he's particularly close to, but he's turning eight soon. And after some back and forth, we decided that he can have four friends at his birthday party. Ooh, four. His birthday party is in two weeks, and my husband and I have recently decided to swap out one of the guests. Josh's friend, Ben, is a sweet kid, but his mom is difficult. Ben has seafood allergies, so his mother asked what we'd be serving in terms of food. None of it had seafood, but for the cake, we are going for German chocolate. Nice. Josh's favorite. Ben apparently dislikes, dislikes coconut, and his mom demanded that we change the cake to suit him. Fuck her. 
Ben is a very easygoing kid. I know different cakes are different, but at our ba favorite bakery, the coconut is in the filling and the frosting, but not in the actual cake. Uh, and so if presented with a German chocolate cake, I think Ben would just eat around it. She takes issue with the party, thinking it too sedentary. We're letting the kids play for a little bit in our backyard, watching an older kid's movie and then having pizza and cake. That's fantastic. I would fucking do that right now. I, if, if, if my buddy Zach called up and said, hey, uh, do you want to play for a little bit in the backyard, watch an older kid's movie and then have pizza and cake? I'd be like, fucking sign me up, bro. Uh, she's acting snobbish about it too, bragging about how she held her son's birthday party at an indoor bouncy castle that's also expensive to rent out she also has more egregiously referred to my daughter as the ugly girl with glasses in front of her she demanded a stay for a whole party and i definitely don't want her around my daughter for more than a minute at the most as her demands escalate she's been threatening to say that ben can't attend all of her demand until unless all of her demands are met fuck this bitch my husband and I plan on shrugging our shoulders and finding a different friend for Josh to invite, but I'm not sure how much to tell Josh about this. I don't want to make things awkward with his friend. I could easily imagine Ben's men, mom telling him that he couldn't come to the party because we were being difficult. I don't want to implicate Ben's mom. I would, because I'm sure Josh, Josh will, either on purposely or accidentally, turn around and tell Ben that his mom's fault he couldn't come to the birthday party. I would. I'd be like, listen, Ben, we love you. We think you're a great kid. We know you got a seafood allergy, but hey, nobody's perfect, but your mom's a fucking cunt. And that's why you couldn't come to the birthday party. So talk to your mom. That being said, I might be able to clip some of that stuff. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, uh, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Uh, podcast is available in video version on Rumble. I tried the Spotify thing for video. It just didn't work out, so we'll stick to Rumble. However, you can find this in audio form on Spotify and on Substack and anywhere else where podcasts are available, including at my website, positivesarcasm.com. Like, subscribe, share, donate, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Weeble app, merchware, it's all available. Email me through the website, contact, question, concerns, comments, posing music for fitness competitors. It's all there. It's all good. Enjoy your coffee. It's a beautiful summertime. Kids are getting out. It's a great time. It's a great time to be alive until the nukes start flying. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week which is Memorial Day, recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.